Hello and welcome to the third ever episode of the Sunshine State Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Topher Adams. It's been a while since the podcast last aired, but we're back just in time for the summer lacrosse season. Uh, Just before we get into the MLL and PLL tournaments, just want to address some of the things going on uh, in the United States recently. The past couple months have been pretty chaotic. A lot of good causes being fought for, a lot of crazy stuff going down. Um, but there's been a positive trend, people listening, people changing, people growing. It's important to remember that we're not done here, you know, just because we take off cops from TV or paint some murals in the streets. There's a lot more that we need to do as a culture to grow. And I think in the sport of lacrosse, we have a lot of good people, Kyle Harrison, Jovan Miller, so many more that are kind of leading this cause, but it's important for everybody to listen, learn, and evaluate themselves, see where they need to grow. That's the only way we can get progress, is that we have to keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing if we want to change. In the lacrosse world, the biggest news as of late is that the MLL announced their version of the summer tournament the other week. Uh, So from July 18th to July 26th, all six teams will be playing at the uh, Navy Navy Stadium where the Bayhawks play uh, in a tournament much like the PLL. Uh, Not the exact same format, we'll get to that, but um, so all six teams, one location over the course of eight days, streaming on the networks of ESPN, so ESPN, ESPN2, probably some games on ESPN+, Plus. probably most of the games on ESPN+, Plus if we're being real. Um, so the details of the tournament, uh, each team will play kind of a condensed regular season with, I believe, five games. Each team plays five games, kind of round robin, and then the top four teams go to a semifinal round and then a championship game. Uh, so no seven-team March Madness tournament like the PLL. It's more straightforward. Um, For those of you who aren't in the know, the MLL has restructured a lot since last season. There are now six teams, the Chesapeake Bayhawks, the Philadelphia Barrage, who are not affiliated with the old Philadelphia Barrage, but in fact a new version, Denver Outlaws, New York Lizards, the Connecticut Hammerheads, a brand new team, and the Boston Cannons. Uh, When they get to Annapolis, all teams will be in one hotel, and they will not use locker rooms, instead changing at the hotel and directly busing to the stadium, which is only like a mile away. Um, I I won't lie. When I got into lacrosse, I got into the PLL. It was last summer. So my allegiances are slightly skewed towards the PLL, and it's hard not to see the MLL as kind of the cheaper version sometimes and having your tournament literally a week before the one that's been being planned and announced for months feels a little low but i've written about this these leagues pretty much equal in many regards they kind of gotta move past their petty undercutting of each other but that's neither here nor there the tournament itself should be a lot of fun a lot of good lacrosse on television. If you combine this with the PLL tournament, we're basically getting a full month 
of having lacrosse on every single day at a high professional level on television. You're going to have every single game for a month between the MLL and the PLO on either ESPN, ESPN Plus, ESPN2, NBC, NBC Sports, or uh, NBC Gold. So if you have ESPN Plus, NBC Gold, you can watch an entire month's worth of lacrosse. You can watch every single day from like July 18th to August 9th at lacrosse, new lacrosse games, competitive, high-level professional lacrosse every single day. And that's something that really few sports I've ever seen outside of like basketball or hockey, which have game or baseball, which have games every single day because they have massive seasons. This has never happened. So lacrosse to have this many games in such a short period of time is kind of awesome, honestly. Um, I don't know how much I will personally be following the MLL. Probably watch most, if not all of it, because lacrosse is lacrosse and say whatever you will about the league itself the players and the teams are so much fun to watch i know i can't wait to watch lyle lyle thompson colin heacock and that bayhawks team who won the title last year go at it um obviously we don't know yet the roster is soon soon to be announced but uh it, it should be a fun fun tournament in annapolis uh so if you're dying for lacrosse or if you're a big MLL fan, definitely don't miss that. July 18th, July 26th on the networks of ESPN, the MLL condensed season tournament. So the MLL, that's all fine and good. Should be a fun week-long tournament. A lot of great players, a lot of great teams. But what I'm still got my eyes set for, July 25th, Zion's Bank Stadium on the campus of Real Salt Lake uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah. The PLL Championship Series uh, should be a lot of fun, a lot of high production value that the PLL is known for now. A lot of elite level lacrosse. We saw the rosters released recently. Most of the best players in the world will be going out to Utah. Let's hope everyone can stay safe and this uh, event can go smoothly. But I want to start previewing over the next couple weeks between here and uh, the website some of the best teams, some of the best players for the championship series. Something I've been thinking about recently. So I want to talk about the Water Dogs attack unit. Um, so I remember when the expansion draft happened back in February, I believe. I remember feeling slightly underwhelmed almost because I didn't know, I didn't really do my research, you know. I, I was kind of a little more casual fan a few months ago. So when I see names like Ben McIntosh or uh, say... Charlie Cipriano, another guy who's kind of pretty low down total pole. He's not an offensive player, but Water Dogs nonetheless. It doesn't really pique your interest, and it kind of feels like they're going to be expansion team bottom feeders. But then as I watch the tape on some of these players on YouTube, and you look at their numbers, and you realize, wait a second. How good actually is this team? Because the more I think about it, and the more I look at it, the more... I kind of fall in love with this Water Dogs attack unit. So if you look at some of their top guys, uh, start with one of my favorite players in the whole league, really. He's just a lot of fun. Uh, Christian Cuccinello. 
uh, played on the Archers last season. Down the stretch, kind of became their third attackman with Manny and Holman. Um, he fits this team identity, and the team identity is all about versatility. So if you watch him uh, either last year with the Archers, MLL, with Villanova, he's kind of he's a very versatile player. You'll see that as a theme. These guys are attackmen first, but can also step in the midfield, and their midfielders can invert with the best of them. Last year with the Archers, eight goals, four assists in eight games in the regular season. Not the most impressive statistics, but when you think he's on a team with Marcus Holman, Will Manny, Tom Schreiber, who are all top 10 in the league in points as a fourth, fifth option, that's pretty impressive considering the circumstances. Um, and he gives this team something that no one else does. He is just a physical beast. He's built like a middle linebacker at six foot two ten. He's got that massive frame. He's so strong. You watch him play last year. He's just down on the post and absolutely just bodying dudes, getting inside of the crease. He's giving himself high percentage looks because he can just physically overwhelm defensemen and get right in there within three feet. And boom, easy inside finish. He's he's a great player. Um, I like him a lot. I think with an increased role with less proven superstars. There's no Tom Schreiber who's going to get like half the possessions. You know, he's going to have an increased role on this team, as will most of these players from their prior roles. With that increased role, he's going to be one of the better attackmen in the league. I just, I like his game. I think he brings something different than most players in the league with his physicality. Another player I really, really love uh, is Wes Berg, um, kind of one of the lower picks in the expansion draft for the Water Dogs. But this guy is just, he, he's a true, uh, I don't know how I want to put it. He's just, he's a, hes a guy every team wants to have, you know. I wouldn't say he's like an overwhelming uh, stat producer. I don't think he's ever going to lead an outdoor league in points or anything. His indoor stats are a lot better than I thought he was. He's one of the point leaders, one of the leading scorers for the San Diego Seals. But outdoor, he's good but not overwhelmingly good in five games last season in the regular season, four goals, four assists. Then he was really big in the playoffs as well with a couple, I think he had a hat trick in one of the later games. I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but he's so crafty and he knows how to get goals in big moments. If you look last year with the Redwoods in the championship game, right before halftime, Brent Adams rips that midfield crazy shot. And there's no way that that two bomb is going to go from the midway line. But you see that it went in the back of the net because on replay, you see Westberg gets his stick up in the way and deflects it hockey style. And it gets catches Burnmore completely off guard. And then later in that game, um, I want to say it was Ryder Garns. He puts a shot on cage. It's a high rebound and he just kind of bats it in like a tennis racket. Those are those kind of quick plays, those hockey like plays uh, that you just, you can't teach that really. Like that's just quick instincts, high IQ, just smart, crafty plays that every team wants to have. Um, and then he also has that championship pedigree. Nat St. Laurent talked about that a lot last year when he traded for Westberg. Is that this guy's just a winner. He won the national championship with Denver in 2015, almost single-handedly sometimes. Like he's, He was the key to that team. Uh, won championship with the Denver Outlaws and the MLL. He won the gold medal for Team Canada in 2014. So this guy's just a good... He's a winner and he's so crafty he's a good leader he's just every single team wants a Westberg and 
I'm kind of bummed that the Redwoods lost them, but as a as a as a Redwoods fan, it's a shame to lose Westberg, but he's just such a talented player that the Water Dogs really got a good one. Um, another versatile uh, attackman, Kieran McArdle uh, from the Atlas, now on the Water Dogs. He's one of the leading scorers. If you look at their stats from last year from this team, uh, 25 points, pretty even split goals assists. He's not a true ex-attackman, really, but he's a good guy who can create chances, something that this, eh, I won't say that this team doesn't have, but he, he's probably one of the best creators on this roster, especially amongst the attackmen. And yeah, I mean... He didn't have the best season with the Atlas. I mean, that's probably a little harsh. He didn't have a bad season. I mean, he had 25 points in 10 games. That's pretty solid. Um, so maybe he's a little underrated. Um, but I think Kieran McCardle, instant starter with this team, uh, instant star with the Water Dogs, should be money for the Dogs. Uh, the big star on the Water Dogs, someone you'll see a lot of edits for on Instagram, Ryan Drenner, formerly of the Whip Snakes, the Clutch King, I believe, is something I've heard people call him, something like that. Um, so, All Star last year with the Whip Snakes, champion last year with the Whip Snakes, he had 19 goals in 10 regular season games. He's one of the best shooters in the league. He shot about 30% on his shots last year, which is really really high and then all those game winners we know all those overtime goals fourth quarter goals clutch goals uh, that's that's something you gotta love to have the guy who you know if you give him a shot to shoot late in the game he's gonna have the stones to man up and put that ball in the back of the net you know he's not gonna clam up under pressure and then like Westberg he's got that championship experience last year winning with the whip snakes uh, a lot of these players uh, they got from the whip snakes a couple more I'll list off later here but Ryan Drenner I thought was the easiest pickup uh, I don't know why the whip snakes let him go to be honest with you I, I know they want to hold on to that defense but man it's it's tough to lose someone who's that true of a shooter and that clutch and that crucial for your team every team needs a good shooter um I think that just adds so much to your offensive view of one guy who can just absolutely rip it. And Ryan Drenner gives that to the Water Dogs. The player I'm most interested to watch on the Water Dogs attack unit is Ben Reeves. So the other year, 2018, won the Waratahn Award at Yale, best player in college lacrosse, uh, goes to Dallas Rattlers, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, controversial all-star pick that year because he didn't even play a game, but that's neither here nor there. Last season goes to PLL with the Whip Snakes, but was very uh, underutilized. I mean, he wasn't the only Tuaraton winning attackman they had. The other guy's name is Matt Rambo. Maybe you've heard of him. The PLL MVP, Jim Brown MVP award winner, championship game MVP. So Ben Reeves didn't have the ball in his stick as much as you would expect a recent Tawarton Award winner to have the ball in his stick. He only produced uh, six goals, seven assists, and eight regular season games. He was forced to run out of the box a lot, not playing at a true attack spot, which he likes. 
But given the role he had, I think you could say he produced adequately. And of course, his team won the championship. So, I mean, he did something right. I think Ben Reeves has so much potential in a new team, in a new setup, where he's going to have more of the ball, more responsibility. Um, He's just a super talented guy. Eyes in the back of his head. Big, strong kid. He's a true do-it-all and he fits the rest of this team model. So guys like Westberg and Cuccinello kind of play attack and midi. Ben Reeves, he showed last year he can play attack and midi. So with this very versatile, very flowing offense, I feel like Ben Reeves has the potential to really unlock that superstar pro potential and just dominate for the Whipsnakes, maybe become their best attackman, honestly. Uh, some of their offensive midfielders are just very, very good options. Uh, ben McIntosh, who was on the Archers last year, was one of Tom Schreiber's favorite players to play with. Uh, good off-ball player, good two-man player, very talented shooter. Uh, a great pickup adds a little more balance, so it's not just all, you know, everyone's in the same mold. I feel like they got he, with Ben McIntosh, they kind of fill that role of an off-ball midfielder, two-man game. A Canadian flavor uh, with Westberg and some of the other guys. I think he fits the team identity well, gives them something a little extra. And yeah, uh, Connor Kelly, the first overall pick in the expansion draft, also from the Whip Snakes, 18 points in eight games played from um, more of an offensive midfield position. Uh, but he also can play attack, adding just another versatile tweener player to this lineup. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at him, he can dodge, pass, shoot. He doesn't really have a true weakness. I don't know if I'd say he's particularly, like, great, like, best in the world at any one thing. But he's just, he would start on pretty much every team in the world and can do basically anything you need from an attackman or an offensive midfielder. And that's... And his ad versatility, again, like Cuccinello, like Ben Reeves, like Westberg, that'll keep to this flow of this offense, this flow of this team, kind of guys who can do it all. And then the last guy I want to talk about as far as the offensive unit of the Water Dogs is Zach Courier, the big splash, number one pick in the PLL entry draft. Um... What is there to say about Zach Courier that hasn't been said? The guy can do literally everything that you want, indoor and outdoor. You, The best stats I can find for him, because the MLL has questionable stat keeping. Uh, in his first 16 games as an outdoor professional, 23 goals and 25 assists. And he wasn't even an all-time offensive midfielder, because the guy plays a lot of defense, a lot of wing play. Uh, he faced off at Princeton. I mean... If this team's built on transition and versatility, this is the perfect player for this team. I, like, if I said Connor Kelly doesn't have a weakness, like Zach Courier takes that and like ups it even more because he can dodge, he can shoot, he can pass, he's great at ground balls, he's a tough defender. I mean, he can face off a little bit. I wouldn't really put him up there against Trevor Baptiste or anything, but still. This guy is the perfect cog, and he can give them a quarterback out of the midfield if they need him to. You can invert him if you want to run someone like 
Westberg up top. I don't know how they're going to, this offense is going to look exactly. But Zach Courier is just such a tough, tough nut. Such a good player. It's just, I, I'm almost just shocked with, with someone like that in sports these days because how many guys are that good at both things he's kind of like the Kawhi Leonard of lacrosse in that way where offensively he's going to give you 26 points a night but defensively he's the best in the business so few guys are that elite at everything that they do and Zach Courier is just he epitomizes that more than anybody else and in this league the PLL where transition midfielders and transition play is the most important aspect of the game and guys like Sergio Perkovic and Brent Adams and I'm blanking here but there are countless other guys who go from defense to offense and how important that transition game is in this league having Zach Courier as your starter from defense to offense is such an advantage and that's going to make the Water Dogs that much more lethal and the looking at this whole attack line you got guys who can play literally everywhere on the attack guys who can get back if they need to and yeah this this is such a fun unit i'm i'm very excited to watch the water dogs attack if i talk about teams that i just want to watch as a fan of the sport of lacrosse water dogs are one of the teams i'm most excited to watch because it's guys who are in a bigger role than last year guys who can do different things guys who are versatile guys who are athletic and i just wonder how much quality they can get out of these guys how much potential they can realize because i think at their best this is one of the best teams offensively i know that the margins between these teams is like very very thin but with this team's versatility this could be the best but also they don't have any true superstars necessarily Maybe Ben Reeves isn't as good as I hope Ben Reeves is. Maybe Connor Kelly is only good, not great. It's possible this water eyes attack kind of falters, or it'll be as good as I hope, as good as I expect it will be. Nonetheless, it's going to be one of the most fun units to watch. I cannot wait to see the Water Dogs in their first ever game this summer. Thank you all for listening to my ramblings about the Water Dogs attack and a little bit about the MLL Summer Tournament. Uh, I hope to be back next week. We'll talk about the this weekend's MLL games, do some more PLL preview, maybe break down some of the crazy trades that went down in the NLL today. Uh, I'm recording this on Monday, just so we know. I'm not crazy. Um, but th- thanks again all for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. We were also on Twitter, but less active on that. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Got a couple of videos on there. Uh, and yes, thank you all and have a nice night or morning, depending on when you're listening to this.